I'm going to be repeating the introduction. Um, our experience in trying to resolve our anger and further improve our relationships with the Lord and with one another led us to study anger. We define the acting out of anger or the spirit of anger as sin and a major obstruction to communion with God. We further discuss consequences of anger, what the Bible says about anger, anger masquerades, then present a five-step resolution plan and a biblically-based long-term solution to the spirit of anger. We also mention how to deal with a person with an angry spirit. Before we really get started, though, I want to start with some groundwork. And um, I always do this with great hesitancy because when we talk about trying to understand God's mind, we always tend to limit it and make a skewed or distorted picture. But anyway, our relationship with God and his goals, what's the overall picture? Um, what are God's goals for us as his people, his creation? Basically, it's to worship in one word, but let's look at that a little more. God wants all people to have a relationship with him as seen in 1 Timothy 2.3, and to know and experience him. Know in the Hebrew sense, to know it inside out, with hands-on type experience, living experience. As we learn of his awesome glory, we can only but worship him, as we read in Ephesians 1.17 and 18. Herein lies a problem. We are with sin and separated from God. Ephesians 4.18 Therefore, Christ died and shed his blood so that we could be reconciled to him. Romans 5, 10, and 11. Then, because God's thinking and his ways are so vastly different from ours, as we can see in Isaiah 55, 8, and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So because God's thinking and his ways are so vastly different than ours, God wants us to know him and become more Christ-like, to pursue holiness, as in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11, so that we can more fully receive and appreciate his love and to give love. God's focus is to develop our character, enabling us to have a closer relationship with him so that we can bear fruit, as we read in John 15. He does this by using various trials and testing, James 1, 2 through 4, and verse 12, such as hurts, daily needs, responsibilities, persecution, ridicule, rejection, physical limitations, illness, etc. When we persevere, as in James 1, verse 12 in the NIV uses that word, and diligently add to our faith, Virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly uh, kindness, and love. We become filled with the power of the Spirit, Ephesians 1, 19 through 21. And Christ's joy, John 15, 11, and love will be in us. God provides us with the way, John 14, 6. The solution, the tools, in short, everything. Ephesians 2, 8, for it is by grace that you have been saved. On the other hand, he gives us our free will to choose. Joshua 24:15. We need to choose his way for joy and peace and entrance into his kingdom. If we choose Christ, we need to choose to eliminate every thought, every habit, every expression that hinders us from abiding with him. 2 Corinthians 10:5. So that his Holy Spirit will shine through us. Therefore, others will see God, not us, blocking his light. The spirit of anger and the expression of anger act as interference to God's spirit flowing through us because anger is an expression of our pride. The definition of anger, it's an emotion that results from our goals being blocked. Whose goals? Our goals. What kind of goals? Any of our own plans, including our efforts to preserve our personal worth, our basic convictions, and meet our essential needs. It's a signal that a problem exists. It in itself, as an emotion, is neither good nor bad. 
Like pain, anger is an emotion so powerful that if used properly from God's point of view, can be very useful. Like pain, it is a signal that something is wrong on the emotional or spiritual plane. Therefore, it is a warning that needs to be heeded. Physiologic events. Physiologically, anger is an extremely powerful emotion. It activates or sets off the catecholamine and adrenaline-mediated fight or flight system, including indicating danger. Immediately, one's awareness becomes acutely keen. Attention and alertness increase regardless of how tired one may be. Increased strength and speed results as the heart rate increases and blood flow to the muscle increases. Parenthetically, it provides an increased sense of power and a high to which some people become addicted, as we find later. It's a God-given emotion. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says, Let us make man in our own image, in our image, after our likeness. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. As we have been created with emotions, including anger, it's understandable that it is ubiquitous and common to all people of all cultures and of all time. With our knowledge of good and evil, we misuse anger for our own pridefulness. Hence, when we act out our anger, we sin. Ephesians 4:26 and 27 say, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. God has this emotion, but he is love and hates evil. He has the big, um, God's picture, not our small uh, view of people, the world and our time and space. He has the eternal view. God, though, is slow to anger. In Psalm 103.8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Only God can use anger and be just. As soon as people act out their anger, it becomes personal revenge. Romans 12:19 states, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. The spirit of anger may be defined as a temperament that occurs from unresolved anger. It may become a way of life, an attitude, a habit, a filter by which one views the world, or it may be an evil spirit. Unresolved past hurt coupled with guilt is often a cause of the built-up of tension that then results in hostile energy and develops into a spirit of anger. It may overtly be expressed as intermittent outbursts, such as a volcano erupting, or those close within the family may sense it on a daily basis. Others may express it very differently, maybe a critical spirit. Also of significance is that the person with a spirit of anger often is unaware that person even has it. There are a number of consequences of a spirit of anger, including physical, social, and spiritual consequences, which we'll get into now. Um, there are cardiovascular consequences. If anger is chronically activated, as with bitterness and hate, various disease states are either induced or hastened, such as heart attacks, stroke, um, kidney disease, hypertension. This is often is from accelerated atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. Other disease states, including peptic ulcer disease, um, a major anger can be a major contributing factor to irritable bowel disease, chronic headaches, back pain, fibromyalgia, etc. Social consequences. Strife, divisions, quarrels, wars. Proverbs 29:22 says, "An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgressions." The problem of anger, is that when it is unresolved, it destroys relationships. It decreases work, production, and efficiency. It's a leading cause of divorce, rebelliousness, disruption in the family, juvenile delinquency, drug and alcohol addiction, to name some of them. In other words, the spirit of anger has devastating social consequences. The spiritual consequences of anger 
First God's wrath in Matthew 5:22 states that whoever is angry with his brother is in danger of the judgment. First John 3:15 whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. It grieves the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 4:30 through 31. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. It separates us from God. God resists the proud. James 4:6. God resists the proud but gives grace unto the humble. It's the opposite of love. As in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, love, a fruit of the Spirit, is not easily angered and does not delight in evil. It's opposite of the fruit of the Spirit and not part of the Spirit of God, as in Galatians 5:22 and 23. Man's anger causes people to reject the truth. It stirs up strife, as in Proverbs 30:33. Surely the churning of milk bringeth forth butter, and the wringing of the nose bringeth forth blood. So the forcing of wrath brings forth strife. Proverbs 15:18. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he is that slow to anger, appeases strife. Anger does not help situation; it causes quarrels, strifes, divisions, wars, troubles, and never peace. It does not bring about the righteous life that God desires, as stated in James 1:20. Anger is an expression of pride. Proverbs 21:24. Proud and haughty scorner is his name, who dealeth in proud wrath. Anger is a work of the flesh. Galatians 5:19:21 also indicates an expression of pride. Recall that pride is one of the seven things that God hates in Proverbs 6:17. Anger generally results from our pride being hurt, or ridiculed, or our plans being blocked or our presumed rights being transgressed. In other words, it's mostly a manifestation of our self-will being thwarted. We get angry when we find we do not have the power to control our surroundings and ourselves like God does. We have perhaps set ourselves up to be equal to God. When our plans are obstructed, we get angry. God is using this emotion to remind us that he is God and sovereign, not us. We forget that we are dependent on God and that we need to go to him for what we need and to thank him for what we get and to obey him. Again, James 1.20 states, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Fools are quick to anger. Recall, fools do not know or fear God. Proverbs 1.7 indicates that anger and wrath are characteristics of fools and, those, and fools are those who do not know and fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 12:16: A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. Proverbs 14:29: He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Proverbs 27:3: A fool's wrath is heavier than sand and stone. Proverbs 29:11 A fool uttereth all his mind but a wise man keepeth in till afterwards Ecclesiastes 7:9 Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry for anger resteth in the bosom of fools It's also very serious from God's point of view it's the same category as witchcraft and idolatry Do we keep a witch or an idol in our house Galatians 5:19 to 21 The acts of a sinful nature are obvious sexual immorality impurity debauchery idolatry and witchcraft hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition dissensions factions and envy drunkenness orgy and the like probably because it is so common an emotion for us that we generally accept a little anger and sometimes find it even useful Therefore, we do not detest the acting out of anger as the evil that God considers it. Anger is also associated with malice and blasphemy. Colossians 3.8 Be now ye also put off all these, 
anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. It's associated with cruelty in Proverbs 27.4. Anger brings its own punishment. Job, Job 2, 5.2 For wrath killeth the foolish man, and envy slayeth the silly one. Proverbs 19.19 19, A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment. For if thou deliver him, yet thou must do it again. Proverbs 25.28 he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. This person would be easily influenced with all kinds of evil. Anyone can invade a city or spirit. God only can get angry and act on his anger. Only God, the all-knowing, omnipotent, perfect, loving creator, has the right to get angry and act out his anger. He alone can be just righteous and void of all malice, envy, bitterness, and short-sightedness. Our only recourse is to repent and stand in awe of God's majesty as Job did. Job 42, 4-6 Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. There is no evidence that man can handle anger. As soon as man is angry, it becomes a personal vengeance issue. Samson, as soon as he became angry, he stopped doing God's work and how God wanted the Philistines destroyed and carried out personal vengeance. In Saul, the power of the Spirit of God came upon him when he heard about the Ammonites attacking Jabeth Gilead. But he also became angry and, his actually, and this actually hindered his work. His unresolved anger cost him his life his son's life, and his kingship. Moses had a trouble with anger, which ultimately cost him from entering the promised land in Numbers 28 through 12. We're commanded to get rid of all anger. Ephesians 4.31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Second Corinthians 12:20. For I fear lest, when I come, that I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not. Lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbiting, whisperings, swellings, tumults. Colossians 3:8. But now ye also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. First Timothy 2.8 I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Psalm 37.8 Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. So again, we're commanded to get rid of all anger. Therefore, reserving a small part of anger to force one's will on another person to do a task or as a deterrent when danger arises is still sinful. In the first place, it threatens relationships, and in the other, it clouds one's judgment and the need to cry out to God for help. For example, disciplining your child in anger is revenge and fosters rebellion in the child as opposed to God's discipline, which is a means to bring us closer to him. How do we get rid of anger? Identify your problem with anger first. Anger is ubiquitous. You need to determine how you express it as there are various anger masquerades. Anger is commonly thought of as being displayed by loud, vulgar, accusing, belittling speech, glaring eyes and frowning face, hurtful words, explosive actions, clenching of teeth, tension in jaw, heavy breathing, dilated veins, flushed face and neck, and hitting or kicking or other destructive actions. However, it may take many forms. Frustrations, resentment, indignation, defiance, irritability, impatience. We often play games or use some of the following defense mechanisms to cover or express anger. These are forms of deception. It may manifest as aggressiveness, intimidation, shyness, piety, 
untouchable self-sufficiency, indifference, clowning, joking, timidity, criticism, excessive talking, denial, guile or unreal sweetness, complaining, pouting, self-pity, slowness, ignorance, forgetfulness, etc. Uh, we have ten anger styles I'd like to run through. Um, the first three are masked styles of anger um, expression, and then there are four explosive and three chronic um, anger styles. And then after each one, there's a little direction toward uh, treatment, but there'll be more um, detailed treatments for all the types later on. Uh, the first one is anger avoidance. These people do not like anger or are afraid of their own anger or that of others. They may feel that anger is morally bad. They tend to hide from their anger because they want to be liked. They avoid anger because they want a sense of being good or nice people. They do not get mad so they can feel safe and calm. The problem is they do not feel anger even when something is wrong. Thus, anger does not help them survive. They do not have the warning system. Thus, they cannot be assertive because they feel too guilty when they say what they want, and they become the proverbial doormat. And the treatment of this, these people need to know that God made them with this emotion, just like joy and sadness, and that it's okay. They need to tune in to the very first physical hints of anger in their bodies. They need to learn to be honest and own their anger, not deny it. So then they can deal with their anger by first thanking God. Making believe that we do not get angry is only fooling ourselves. Others know we're angry. More importantly, we cannot receive healing until we can identify our sin, confess it, and repent for it. Uh, number two is sneaky anger, or the passive-aggressive person. These people also do not let others know they're angry. Indeed, they often do not know how angry they are. But the anger comes out sideways. Their anger is displayed in that they frequently forget to do things as requested. They say, yeah, but... They sit around and frustrate everybody around them. When others get mad, they look innocent and hurt. And they say, why are you mad at me? I haven't done anything. They do not tell people about their resentments. They thwart other people's plans. The problem is they lose track of their own wants and needs. They're good at avoiding the demands and requests of others but they do not know what to do with their own lives. They become bored, frustrated, and have unsatisfying relationships. In treatment, they need to break the denial of anger and challenge their sense of weakness and let go of the fun of frustrating others. They need to learn how to say yes and no clearly when people ask something of them. They need to make clear choices. They need to also become honest and responsible in their emotional responses. Paranoid anger. These people are jealous, controlling, do not trust other people. They think everybody's out to get them. They assume others are going to attack them physically or verbally. Thus, they jealously guard and defend what they think is theirs, including the love of a spouse, a friend, their money, their valuables. They give their anger away to everyone else. They think everybody else is angry instead of acknowledging their own rage. Their anger is disguised as self-protection. The problem is that they are insecure, trust nobody, and have poor judgment because they confuse their own feelings with those of others. They see their own anger in the eyes of other people. This causes confusion for everybody. In treatment, they need to also get honest with their feelings, recognize and accept their own anger, greed, and jealousy. They need to assume that if someone appears angry to them, it's probably they who are angry. They need to accept that anger, but then take it to Jesus who can heal and forgive. They need to trust Jesus as, and as a result, learn to trust others. Sudden anger. These people are frustrated easily, impatient, impulsive, and have trouble sensing that they are angry. Their anger comes on suddenly as a surprise. They tend to have childlike temper tantrums. They do not recognize they have been building up tension until it suddenly is released. For them, it's immediately over, but everybody else is wounded and needs resolution. 
the person who exploded sees no need to talk because his tension is gone. There is no longer a problem as far as he or she is concerned. Their impulsiveness can get them in trouble, especially if they impulsively quit their job or become violent. They cannot use their anger as a signal that the problem needs to be solved because they do not sense their anger building. Another characteristic is that the blow-up episodes are apparently random. Furthermore, they feel guilty about their recurrent childlike behavior. The treatment, they need to learn the early warning signals that their anger is building. They will probably require an accountability partner. They should try to remember the last thoughts, last feelings, and last physical signs like clenching jaw, clenched fists, tension in the face, chest, feet, etc., before they explode. Eventually, they may recognize earlier signs and signals. Relaxation, timeout, decreases stress are other helpful activities to learn. They need to focus on the scriptures that will decrease their stress, such as God is in control, Romans 8, 28, and 37 through 39. Number five, shame-based anger. People who need a lot of attention or who are very sensitive to criticism develop this style of anger. They do not like themselves very much. They feel worthless, not good enough, broken, unlovable. If someone ignores them or says something negative, they take it as proof the other person dislikes them as much as they dislike themselves. However, this gets them very angry, so they lash out. You made me feel awful, so I'm going to hurt you back. They play hot potato with their shame. They get rid of their shame by blaming, criticizing, and ridiculing others. They avoid their own feelings of inadequacy by shaming others. The problem is that they attack people they love, they become angry and lose control, then feel worse about themselves and their self-image. The treatment they need to see their worth in God, as in Romans 5.5, 5, and hence feel secure and able to treat others with respect. When they feel angry, they need to look inwardly for the cause and ask themselves, of what am I ashamed? Number six, deliberate anger. Generally, this is planned, deliberate and manipulative anger. Others, often these people are not emotional about their anger, at least not at first. They use their anger to control others and sometimes even add violence. They have learned that they gain power and control from deliberate anger. They get what they want by threatening or overpowering others. The problem is that it makes for poor or extremely limited relationships. Because in the end, people do not like to be bullied and eventually figure out ways to escape or get back at the bully. The treatment, these people need to examine their angry or violent episodes. Again, they need to find an accountability partner who will help them become responsible for their behavior. They need to confess to others around them that they use this behavior for manipulation and ask for forgiveness. They need to learn to ask when they want something they need to recognize God is in control and to become dependent on God for their needs. Number seven, addictive anger. These people love the power, the, the adrenaline rush, and the strong feelings that their anger provides. It is emotional excitement. It's an addiction, more than a bad habit. They gain a surge of intensity and emotional power when they explode, giving them a feeling of being alive and full of energy. They pick fights just to get high on anger. The problem is that this is painful and damaging like all addictions. The treatment, it's a burden that needs to be unloaded on our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to assure rehabilitation and healing, as in Matthew 12, 28 through 30. The last four were the explosive types. Now there are three chronic types of anger. Habitual anger. This is a very bad habit. These people get angry often. They're grumpy when they wake up in the morning. They're angry about small things that do not bother others. They look for fights. They see the worst in everything and in everybody. They wake up angry. They're angry all day. They go to bed angry. They gain predictability this way. Life may be lousy, but it is known, safe, and steady. The problem is they get trapped in their anger, and it runs their lives. They cannot get close to the people that they love because their anger keeps them away. In treatment, they need to meditate on Christ's love for them, that they are children of God. They need to focus on being grateful and praising others with Christ's help. 
Number nine is moral anger. These people are crusaders. They're always fighting for a cause. They're absolutely certain they're on the side of justice and get furious with those who think differently. They wear the cloak of righteousness. Some people think they have the right to be angry when others have broken a rule. Since the offenders are bad, evil, and wicked and sinful, they have to be scolded and punished and brought back into line. They claim they're not angry for themselves, only the cause, and only to bring bad people back into line. They have black and white thinking, all or none thinking. They also tend to be rigid in their way of doing things. They attack every problem of difference of opinion with moral anger. Once again, there is a problem of lack of honesty and integrity because it is often used as a cover-up for prideful, self-seeking attitudes or goals. It's based on a false belief that righteous anger is okay. In treatment, we need to become honest with our motives, confess and repent for prideful attitudes, recognize that self-righteousness is discrediting God's justice and condemning God. Remember Matthew 7, 1, in that we will be judged as we judge others. Remember the truth spoken in anger is not the whole truth, unless it is spoken in love. Number 10 is hate, hard and chronic anger. This occurs when someone decides that at least one other person is totally evil or bad. Forgiving seems impossible. Instead, the hater vows to despise the offender. Hate starts as unresolved anger, often due to past hurts, from which, from a human viewpoint, would warrant an angry response. Of course, they've forgotten that Christ told us and showed us to entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly, as in 1 Peter uh, 2.23. This leads to, the resent, to the, leads to resentment, then hate. Haters often think about ways they can punish the offender and sometimes act on these ideas. People who hate gain the feeling that they are innocent victims. The problem is they cannot get on with life and let go. They become bitter and frustrated. Their lives become mean, small, and narrow. Often, to their chagrin, they take on the characteristics of the one they hate because that person has become the focus of their lives. It could even be said it's a form of idolatry. In treatment, one needs to identify the hate and all the past hurts, expose each one, then repent and confess them. Then meditate on gratefulness, God's love, 1 Corinthians 13, the fruit of the Spirit, to name some. Discerning the spirit of anger. If you're not sure whether you have a spirit of anger, Ask your spouse or family. They know. If the answer is just a little bit, you have a huge problem (laughs) because they're possibly afraid of your anger. Remember, the Bible says that our hearts are deceptively wicked. In Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God looks at the heart. If the heart is right, the right behavior follows. The opposite is not necessarily true. Remember the Pharisees. Jesus spoke about the parable of the moat in my brother's eye, yet a beam in my eye in Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Evidently, we have trouble realizing our own sin. James and John apparently were not aware of their spirit of anger. In Luke 9, 51 through 56, James and John wanted to call down fire from heaven because the Samaritans did not provide hospitality to Jesus and they were angry. Jesus in verse 55 rebuked them and said, Ye know not what matter of spirit ye are of. James and John did not sense the spirit of anger in themselves. They had not grasped what Jesus goes out to say in verse 56. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Tune in to the earliest signals that you have that you can perceive that you're angry. We need to deal with each anger episode with the following five-step plan. Number one is thank God. That's not easy to do when you're angry. The first thing is not thank you, God. But at any rate, we can always thank God for being in control, even if we see absolutely no good immediately in the situation. 
It's also helpful to turn our attention off ourselves and back onto God. Job is a great example for us in that he worshipped God in response to all his disasters. In Job 1, 20 and 21, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Job 2.10. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. In Romans 8.28, God promises that all things work together for those who love him. We need to patiently trust and believe this, even when everything looks helpless. Here's an example I thought of of Corrie ten Boom's sister, Betsy. She was thankful for the lice in the concentration camp. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Number two, find reasons to rejoice. Ask yourself, what lesson does God want to teach me from this experience? Look for God's lessons. Matthew 5.12 discusses the rewards of persecution. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Hebrews 10.34 demonstrates that the early Christians understood suffering and how to rejoice in it for two reasons. One, they were considered worthy to share in Christ's suffering. And two, they understood how trials lead to maturity in Christ in James 1. 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2 say, For for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Paul kept his perspective in that he considered everything a loss compared to knowing the surpassing greatness of Jesus, and that in order to know him, it also meant sharing in his sufferings in Philippians 3, 7 through 11. We need to remember our reference point. Christ as our example went through the agony at Gethsemane and Golgotha with the sustaining power of indestructible joy. Hebrews 12.2, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Philippians 4.4 exhorts us always to rejoice. And I think of Johnny Erickson Tata, who was was a quadriplegic, many of you may know, who was able to get beyond that, to overcome that to this sense, to be able to experience joy. Number three, find scripture that relates to the situation, a special message or scripture to remember, or a verse that describes the truth you have learned. These are used as a shield of faith when Satan sends fiery darts, inflamed with anger, grief, lust, yielding doubts, discouragement, and defeat, as in Ephesians 6.16. Number four, cry out to the Lord for deliverance. Ask God for solutions. He is the only one with power, knowledge, wisdom, and compassion to resolve your dilemma. God wants us to turn to him with every request, especially when we are distressed. He likes to be our hero. When it becomes obvious to us that God is the answer and provides for us, then he alone will receive our gratefulness. Psalm 62.8, Trust in him at all times, ye people, pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Number five, do good. Overcome evil with good. This can only happen with God's help. To change our powerful natural response of anger to doing good, we need Jesus. His meekness and humility, his giving, serving, gentle, kind, loving, and patient spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 5:44, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. When we can get to this point, we become free from the bondage of unresolved anger and hate, and we experience peace and joy. Getting rid of the spirit of anger. The above five steps are definitely not natural. We need not God's grace. We need to have the spirit of God to do this. We need to have a relationship with Christ and put into practice yielding our will for that of Jesus. 
We need to have Jesus truly as our leader and choose him rather than our will or going with our feelings or emotions first. We need to know him by not only reading, studying the Bible, but also memorizing, meditating on scripture so that his word is in our thoughts continually. The scripture will convict us. We need to evaluate our anger by examining the root causes. Sometimes another person can help provide the insight to which we may, to which we may be blinded. Then we need to decide on a plan and commit to following it with God's help. Some more steps are desire a complete victory. Cry out to the Lord. Get rid of anger, even if you enjoy the power and control or the high it provides. You need his supernatural power for victory. Repent for the sin of anger. Confess the sin of anger of our ancestors, as did Nehemiah 1 through 6, to break the curse of the generations. And if we go back, we often may see anger in our families. Ask God to take back the ground that Satan took. Watch for people, things, situations that you're going to come your way to incite you to anger. Do not give ground to Satan. Instead, yield to God and answer softly, gently, and calmly. Purpose to enter and greet people with praise, thanks, and encouragement. Make the first words to each person that of praise. Praise motivates people to good. Draws people to you and is more difficult to degenerate to anger as it acts as a defense or buffer. Recall Psalm 104. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Pray for each of the fruits of the Spirit. Meditate on how they fit into your life. Picture yourself filled with each of the Spirit as you pray. Make yourself accountable to someone. When that person points out your anger, be thankful. Do not attack and do not defend yourself. How are we to deal with a person with an angry spirit? Avoid them if possible. Anger is contagious. Proverb warns us not to associate with the one who is angry because an angry spirit is contagious. Proverb 22, 24, and 25 Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. And just for balance, Proverbs 21, 19, it's better better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. We have to be fair. Put on the full armor of God. This is spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Prepare for spiritual battle by asking God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Meditate on the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5:22 and 23. And what the Bible says about love in 1 Corinthians 13 chapter, consider uh, Philippians 4, 4 through 9, and Colossians 3. Thank God that for that person in your life and list at least 50 reasons to be thankful for that person. Review them and remember them before you meet that person. Gratitude is an attitude of humility. Focus on Christ and note how he dealt with this. Meekness, no threats, no defense, with love and mercy. 1 Peter 2, 19 through 24. David in Psalm 37 spoke of patience and giving the problem to God to deal with on his timetable. God will take vengeance and cut off the wicked. It's not our place. We're not to fret about it either. In 1 Peter 2, 23, We were told to follow Christ's example in placing our trust in God who judges justly and righteously. Psalm 100, again, greet these people with genuine praise and thanks. Also recall Ephesians 4.29, without unwholesome talk, and Philippians 4.8.9, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, If there be any virtue, there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned, received, and heard, and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Calmness and soft, gentle answers from Proverbs 15.1. Wisdom turns away wrath, as noted in Proverbs 29.8. Ecclesiastes 10.4. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness 
can lay great errors to rest. God wants us to ask him for answers. Paul prayed that words would be given to him in Ephesians 6.19. We should do likewise. Proverbs 19.11 The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is, it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Check to see if you still remain in the true vine. John 15. Do you have Christ's joy and love within you? Do you truly love the other person? 1 Corinthians 13. If not, confess and repent so that you can be healed to receive Christ's joy. Psalm 139.23. David asked God to examine his heart. We should do the same. And in conclusion, we are the children of a true and just God who is abounding in love and mercy. He left his heavenly throne, came to earth where he suffered, yielded all rights, and obediently went to the cross to cleanse us of our sins and reconcile us to him, replacing sorrow with joy, hate with love, and anger with calm and peace that surpass all understanding. Thank you. Any questions? Thank you. Well, the, the feeling of anger, the situations in life that come about that produce anger in you, the idea is not to suppress it and assume you're not angry and forget about it because it's going to come sideways. It's going to come some other ways, as we said, in the masquerades. But you have to, acting it out is what's inappropriate. When you get an angry situation, it's like these five steps you talk about. Thank God. It's very hard to do that when you're absolutely having steam coming out of your head. But that's what you need to do. You have to thank God for the situation because something good might come out of it. Give this problem to the Lord. Uh, do good and not evil. I'm, I'm actually, I'm blocking these five things. Uh, help me here. Rejoice. You know, rejoice. Um, so if you, you're going to do things, that find scripture that, um, that, that sort of has to do with, with the situation you're in that makes you angry and do good. Um, these are all un, in, inhuman, unhuman things, if I can use the term. It's, they're all godly attributes that you have to seek to get from the Lord, from Christ. He's the only one who can get angry and act on it and be just, righteous, and proper. How can you explain angry and sin I'm sorry, how, how do you want angry Actually, there are explanations by different people to what that means. I think it means when you start to feel getting angry. Well, the feeling is you can get away from that. That's a God-given emotion like, uh, like pain, like love, like fear. You know, When you start to get angry, you have to be very aware, as we said, of early signs and symptoms. And you start to know what things sort of turn you on, turn your anger on. The best thing to do is that to, 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 to move away from that, to ask the Lord immediately for help. To thank him for the situation that brought, uh, brought that about. To, um, to look for, for, for scripture that, that supports, that, that helps you get rid of that anger. Rather than keep stewing. Because if you continue with the spirit of anger, you're going to do something, you're going to sin. Yeah, but the thing is, that if you, you need to, to find ways to resolve it before when it starts to build up in you, and then it might become uncontrollable. Am I? Lots of times. <laughs> sure. Can you give me an example? <laughs> I'll let uh, Barbara answer that. <laughs> I'm always angry at myself. No. <laughs> yes, it's dealt with the same way. 
I mean, you can put yourself down into the gutter. And you can put yourself in depression to suicide to beat yourself up that way. We need to thank God. There's something wrong when we're angry. It's a signal that something is not right. And we need to go and examine that. But we need to do it with God. Not on our own, because our own skews things from our own petty, prideful viewpoint. And it always gets us in trouble. You're right. I don't know about being first, second, or whatever generation. I probably can be both of those. But um, certainly you need to examine beyond just the initial surface symptom. You need to go back down. And it may be many years ago that the whole problem started. Garden of Eden, yeah. But beyond that, in our own personal lives. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, one more. Yeah, we have to be a little careful that it's not us assuming that that other person is trying to get us angry because really we get to choose that. But on the other hand, there are situations that may try to draw us in and we need to um, not bite every time we see the bait. I don't think anyone can do this without God's grace. I don't know. What, what, you know. Anger is not is not well, the quality of, of manhood. I don't think. See, this is this is a worldly um, definition. You know, you have to get angry. You have to destroy things. You have to do what the guys do. Uh, of course, it's very clear biblically that 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 um, acting out anger is sinful. So I don't have to worry about number six. Um, because actually people will be very surprised when you... See, it, it's not like you do nothing, because doing nothing also, taking in anger, and I think it's too, is not, it's not, it's not the answer either. You can respond in a way that, but with God's help, will be a proper response, with a gentle uh, response, with a loving response, and that takes away wrath from the other person. I mean, they'd be probably very surprised. Jesus was a great man, do you agree? And he was meek. I think that's the greatest of manhood, is meekness.